Welcome to the Makom Israel Teacher's Lounge podcast, where we connect students and listeners to what's happening in Israel and give you insight behind the headlines. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, here as always with co-host Alan Goldman. How you doing, Alan? Uh, alrighty, Mike. Alrighty, that's enthusiasm. <laughs> and we are joined <laughs> We are joined this week by producer Matt Littman. How are you, Matt? I'm very well, thank you, Michael. Pleasure to come back to the show. Yeah, good to have you on. So I wanted to talk to you, and Matt, this is a little more complicated. You've lived both in the UK and the US. But with all a lot of... Uh, We've been getting feedback or questions or people talking to us or even I've been teaching some students in quarantine and they're sort of asking me how to frame how people in Israel should think about elections in other countries. So obviously the election season in the United States is very active right now. And I was curious how you guys think about the relationship between, and let's start with the U.S., you know, politics of that country, how should I as an Israeli, who's an f- expat from the United States, think about those, those politics? And, and also, a lot of students have been asking me about Democrats versus Republicans when it comes to Israel, which I think fits into the topic as well. How do, how do we think about it? And, 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 and I think that I don't necessarily think about it the way most Israelis think about it, most Sabras think about it. So I'm curious, what do you guys think about when you think about the current, how should I relate to the current political campaign going on in the States? Now you know my alrighty response. Your what? My response of alrighty. (laughs) I guess you've been thinking about it. (laughs) Yeah. So I'll let Matt go first. I mean, it's interesting because I'm not an American citizen. Uh, My wife is American. She's planning on voting by absentee ballot. Um... So it's a conversation that we've had at home, obviously, about who who she should vote for. I mean, without wishing to give too much away, it's not really much of a conversation. Right. <laughs> it's quite it's quite a quick conversation. Um, but the the question comes up, like, on what are you basing a vote? Because yeah. you don't live in the place, right? She, right. yes, she files for ta- files her taxes there, but she doesn't pay tax there. She doesn't ha- benefit from any of the services. She doesn't suffer from any of the poor services. So what are you voting for? Right. So, I mean, I, I always have that question when people vote absentee ballot. Like, what are you basing your vote on then? Um, you don't have any skin in the game, I think. Is I do. Actually, I do pay taxes, but I don't vote because I feel certain moral qualms about voting in a country where I don't live. But anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I think that comes up like my, my brother-in-law, for example, is an Israeli citizen. He grew up here. He was raised here. He went to the army here. All that. He lives in London. Mm-hmm. For two out of the three last elections that we had here, in the morning he gets on the plane from London, flies to Tel Aviv, has lunch with his parents, votes, and goes home again because mm-hmm. there's no absentee ballot. Right. And I understand why he does it, but on the other hand, I'm like, hang on, it, it, it's me that is affected by the security concerns and by the health care and by the education and by taxes and all these and economy. And Israel it's doesn't allow absentee voting. For a reason, apparently. Yeah. Um, so it's a question. I, I don't have a good answer, but it's, it's something that concerns me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it's not. A, I'll say it like this, though. Everybody votes according to their own self-interest needs. In the end of the day, usually, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if I'm in America, I pick the two or three, or in Israel, I pick the two or three main issues that are important to me. And, and well, that's and not necessarily so, self-interest, though. That could be that you have an ideology or a direction you want the country to go in. Yeah, 
Yeah, so I'm saying that that's not necessarily different if you're an absentee ballot or someone who flies over for a moment. Yeah. Uh, it, it, in addition to the fact that if I go anywhere, I'm seen as an American or an Israeli, and the policies of those countries affect me for in the country wherever I go in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't, you know. Um, but uh, your bigger question is. Uh, well, I guess one what, of the bigger the heck questions is going that- on. What is going on? And, and, and part of my question is, and I don't know how to raise it without, uh, uh, you know, we try to have very, uh, as educators, we try to have, com- and, and, and in the realm of, you know, whatever you call it, social studies or civics, or right. we try to have conversations about political things without clearly taking political sides. And it's become, it's become hard in this day and age, especially when questions, when students ask flat out, you know, or, or listeners who have fed back, you know, get, we've gotten feedback from. You know, what happens if the Democrats win? What does that mean for Israel? What do you think? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that that, I mean, in this polarized world, there's not really, uh, it's hard to stay away from politics without, you know, um, angering someone, you could say, right? Often there's not, there's not, uh, we've talked about this a lot, that there's the the place of debate and um, respectfully disagreeing um, it, there's not very many places to do that anymore. Um, yeah, I, I, I do, well, like when I was young, nobody would have asked a question like that. You know, yeah. the, the the assumption being that if you care about Israel, you wouldn't vote for the Democrats, even though most American Jews do vote for Democrats, and by their own claim, care about Israel. Yeah. So it's you know, but well, it's the, interesting because then it's. It, so I've, I've been work for I've been working with a doing an online fellowship with a bank, with a group of college students. Mm-hmm. We just finished last night. Where and, where are the students? Um, um, they're from all sorts of college campuses. Um, a very interesting group. They were put together by the Maccabee Task Force, and this conversation came up. So these students you know, are in which country? Uh, America. Sorry, they're mm-hmm. in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, through um, impact. And we've been doing through impact. Through impact. Right. Through, through impact. Right. Impact seminars, and this question came up. And I was asking them in the context of, well, if you vote, some of them said they vote based on how the candidate views Israel and what sort of policies they put forward towards Israel. So I said, oh, is that not dual loyalty? Because, mm-hmm. you know, that's a popular sort of trope to try and tease mm-hmm. out and think about and play devil's advocate for a few minutes. And one of them said to me, she said, listen, I vote what's important to me in America. But if everything is equal, if there's like five things that I think of are important and each candidate is exactly the same on both of the, on all five of those issues, then the sixth one might be the way that they relate to Israel. And that would push me one way or another. I use it as a decider. And somebody else said, no, what are you talking about? Israel's the top of my list. Mm-hmm. And someone else said, well, surely as an American who lives in America, what happens in America should be more important. So I, I think lots of people struggle with, with how to balance this. I, and I again, I don't have an answer. I just have... Yeah, I mean, I would say, look, let's say there are, there, are, there are people who are foreign policy voters and care very much about particular foreign policy issues. If an American cares about the relationship with Israel, like Alan was saying, every, every, there are no rules about what constitutes an appropriate reason for a vote. I, I personally was not a single issue voter or, you know, or, or I, I didn't make Israel my, you know, sine qua non of, of my voting choice. But I, people have the right to do that. That's what, whichever whichever approach you choose. There are no rules. Every person gets their own ballot and gets to decide how they use it. 
that's their own. I, I think before we address something that, that Alan was asking, like what the heck is going on, um, I'd like to come back to something you mentioned at the beginning, Michael, is in terms of like as educators, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously students talk to us about mm-hmm. voting, whether that's in America or whether that's in Israel. Now in Israel, uh, last gap year cycle, we had two elections, mm-hmm. and my and my students all want to know who I voted for. Yeah. Now. It's important to note that in Israel, the culture is very different than it is in America. And American people, I think, don't talk about it as openly as they do in it's Israel. It's true, but it's Israel. funny for me when American students ask me in Israel, like they've, they've uh, acclimated to the Israeli style where it's not. Right. They, they, they've, uh, they've got used to the, the system yeah. already because the guy in the Makala and the taxi driver, yeah. and everybody's telling them whether they ask yeah, or yeah. not. Um, and students ask me, and I have to say, as an educator, I balance what is it yeah. important to show that I'm keeping sort of neutral when it comes to these issues. Or should I be sharing with them what concerns me and, and why I'm voting for how I'm voting? So the way I handled it in the end was I said to them, I'm, I'm willing to tell you, I'm happy to tell you who I voted for. But before I tell you, you have to listen to my whole spiel where I talk you through my thought process so that you can understand why I voted one way and not another way. That, that was the way I personally dealt with it. But there is a responsibility, I feel like, as an educator um, to try and give students yes an insight but on the other hand not to color their own perspectives and, and viewpoints uh, i've done similar things I, I, actually this summer students asked me who i would vote for in the states which which was i haven't been asked for a while and i i did a similar thing i didn't I, what i basically said was i said look if you're asking me i can tell you what michael Unterberg would do but the, i'm not answering you as a teacher that has nothing to do with our topic you're just asking me on the side what do i think and i could tell you what i think and why but that's not that's nothing to do with the coursework or Yeah, and, they, and, and I think it's helpful for them when you separate that. In other words, because once you ask me that, now you're getting into my opinion. Yeah. And I'm identifying and flagging it as opinion, you know, and you can certainly agree or disagree as much as you want. That's what it is. I, I, I don't like, uh, I was troubled by the question of, you know, what would have happened if the Democrats won? Well, what would happen if the Republicans win? It, part to me, part of Zionism is, is that Israel sees itself as responsible for itself. And so, obviously, I would prefer policies that are favorable to Israel. And I would even prefer policies that I prefer, you know what I mean, to be favored. But those are steps removed in in, in an American election. I I, I don't think... I, I think we have to be very careful of not making Israel a dividing issue between Democrats and Republicans. And there's certainly things going on that that are troubling uh, in the Democratic Party, not in the center or the leadership, but it, but it's certainly on the, you know, there are frightening positions on the fringes when it comes to Israel policy. Um, and you, you want to enable those moderate pro-Israel voices leading the party to be successful. I, I was, I'll be honest with you, Again, without taking a political position, I was troubled by Secretary of State Pompeo speaking with Jerusalem as a backdrop in a campaign event. You know, aside from why the very because aside from the various issues of of the norm of Secretaries of State, people in the American diplomats traditionally don't participate in political events because they're supposed to represent. The, the, the traditional idea in diplomacy was once you're outside the United States, once you cross the border into foreign territory, then there is no political divide. And so diplomats speak 
for the United States, and we reflect no political divisions. So traditionally, diplomats don't participate in political events. But but in particular, so that's in general, but in particular, using Jerusalem as a backdrop at a Republican event is sort of feeding into this idea that Republicans are pro-Israel and Democrats aren't. Well, you know, if we keep feeding that narrative, then it will, we will make it so. That'll become, there, it is possible to make that a self-fulfilling prophecy, even what though... That, what do you mean, who we, what do you mean by we? I mean, it, that's a, an American government decision, not an Israeli government decision. That was... Well, I that mean, was, as Jews... That was, right? So they made that... Yeah. That decision. We know that, you know, a big part of Trump's campaign is he's not like anybody else. So breaking down these ideas of diplomacy, you know, what what was done in the past is that's, you know, fairly, you know, campaign events from the White House. Yeah, yeah. The norms are the norms are are out the window. So so I mean, um, you know, and, and and quite clearly that, you know, the Trump administration has has made some really groundbreaking um, uh, not just decisions, but moves um, towards uh, you know Israel in the last four years. In particular, um, the big and, the know, big granddaddy of them is moving the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. I think the, is, I think the granddaddy. I think that actually, in some ways, the the going over the green line in Jerusalem by like you say with the you know Pompeo speaking with the Kotel behind him with the Western Wall behind him, or when Trump came to the Western Wall, right? Mm-hmm. Um, th- those are those are major um, also uh, moves. Those are those are symbolic. Yeah. yeah, those are symbolic, which are really big ones. Um, so and whatever hand Jared Kushner had in the UAE deal. Yeah, um, uh, uh, for sure. I, I was right as we spoke about the uh, last week, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, you know a major peace move, which is not like. Yeah, these are major and, benefits uh, yeah. Israel that you would not expect from yeah. any dem- Democrat. Well, most Republican administrations, you or from any dem- yeah, any administration <laughs> right. really. Yeah, so, it's so I guess to to I mean, for all we, we can criticize, this is waving that flag. They have a flag to wave there in terms of real practical moves um, in favor of you know. Yes, yeah, so I'm saying ultimately, although those individual policies are good for Israel and they should feel comfortable bragging about the, the, those successes and running on their record, uh, I do think that politicizing the United States relationship to Israel and saying it's not the United States relationship to Israel. Look, I, I will give President Trump credit for something else. When, they, when it looked like Bibi was really... Uh, you know, and BB always looks like he's going down for the count, and then he somehow pulls the rabbit out of the hat as the magician. And when it looked like um, blue and white was going to overtake him, some reporter asked Trump, "You know, well, what would you think if your friend BB Netanyahu loses the election?" And Trump said, "Our relationship isn't with BB Netanyahu; it's with the state of Israel." Right. And I think that's exactly the right answer. And I would like BB Netanyahu to be able to say the response. The same in yeah. reverse. Our relationship is not with the Trump, with Donald Trump. It's with the United States of America. I think. Right. I, I, I think. That, I think that the fact that we would like that, or we think that that's the ideal, we know that that's not Bibi's game, right? At least if you think about the the last election campaign, one of the big Likud posters that was was 
po- was uh, stuck up all over the country was him and Donald Trump yeah, together. Yeah, I was very troubled by that. Yeah, but I'm not so sure you would should so see the likes of that back in the Perez, you know, post Rabin maybe murder the Perez and Clinton. But what I would say is I think BB, I I would like to accuse BB of this political politicization of the America thing, but not with Donald Trump necessarily, but with the Republican Party. Correct. Um, when he spoke, and, when he spoke. And we, you know, yeah. and we see that when the big the big move there was when he spoke in the Congress by when he was yep, re- invited by the Republicans and didn't even Contact let the, the Democrats know right who were um, the president so, or the president sorry the president was Obama um, and so that that's really the that there there there's been that you know playing that game on the other hand like. Right. That it, if we were, do remember the context for that, it was over the Iran deal, which um, was a fairly consensus um, view in Israel against the Iran deal. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and not in America. So, I, again, these things are complex. Very complex. And, and not, that's why I think it's it's too complex to point your fingers at a Jew and say, well, you should vote. I don't understand why Jews don't vote this way. They should vote that way in either well, direction. I think well, it's, we know that um, Donald Trump courted controversy for this. Yeah. Right. There was a, there, there was a few months ago. He <clears throat> there was some quote that he basically said, uh, "I don't understand why Jews would vote for Democrats." Right. Well, it, it was it was something that was a while ago. More recently, he said, "You know," and he's not the most precise speaker. So he said, "We moved the capital to Jerusalem," which he meant the embassy, I assume, because the capital already was Jerusalem. And then he said, "We did that for the." Ev- <laughs> And you can't move someone else's capital for that. Correct. It was, well, that's, it's, it's, he probably thinks he can, though. So. I don't know. It was too, yeah. So, you know, it was, it was incorrect language right. that troubled people. But also he said, and we did that for the evangelicals because they care about that more than the Jews, if you can believe right. that. They even care about it more than the Jews. Which, again, and look, I, and I, I don't want to get into the arguments pro and con why you would choose to or not choose to vote for somebody like that. But I, but I, but I, I, I do believe that as, I think that in, uh, let me take a step back for a second. But can, can I just say? Yeah, please. But the core of that statement is correct. I mean, we correct. know that, that it's the evangelical oh, pressure sure. that, that's pushing it. The, the Jewish demographics don't, first of all, don't play that much of a factor. They don't have and the numbers. Not, and not, right, exactly. And certainly not in the Republican Party. Nope. Whatsoever. So, um, nope. The know. Jewish numbers do not affect him, and they're not that big. We have this oversized right. view. We, even we Jews have this oversized, right. a little bit anti-Semitic view of like the Jewish lobby is so powerful. Or, oh, the, elder, because, or the elderly vote in in Florida, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, part of it what did makes Ralph Gordon, yeah. part of the, the evangelical <laughs> vote is huge, <laughs> and so that's a lot of what Apex Power comes from, and and why. American politics for the foreseeable future isn't going to turn against Israel. It's just, are the policy? Do you agree with the policies of that party? And part of living in a democracy is that the party that you don't agree with will have power, and yeah. you have to not treat that as uh, existentially disastrous to the republic. You know, whatever government you're living in, that's the deal. We work together. And, you know, and then we try to rally votes to our side so that our policies and if you like the policies in Israel, look, I don't think I like 
I don't foresee in a foreseeable future an American administration whose foreign policy I think makes sense because American foreign policy has been off the rails now for for decades, in my opinion, in both parties. But but the point I want to make is this: often you'll hear debates in the United States about how. You know, this president is having this effect in the Middle East or that effect in the Middle East. And one of the things we try to teach our students is there's this disproportionate sense that, that the United States as a superpower really has a handle on, on what goes on in the Middle East. And a good president should be able to manage what goes on in the Middle East better. And from our perspective in the Middle East, that's bonkers. The Middle East is huge with a lot of people, and it's got its own dynamics. And the United States can respond to it, oh. but doesn't really control it. There's this oversized sense of, you know, the United States of America. I, 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 I think, look, I have relatives who said to me, you know, oh, Donald Trump is going to save Israel. I said, that's a really not Zionist thing to say. Uh, forget whether you're pro-Trump or, or, or not. Why do you think America is going to save Israel? Why do you think Israel's fate is in the hands of America? We fought 67 without America, without American weapons. Over the course of the 70s, America became a much bigger... Pro- we, you know, we think of this... We talk about the relationship between Israel and the United States as this like sacrosanct thing. But it's a political alliance. I don't know what the future is. It seems pretty steady for the foreseeable future. But I don't... I don't, I don't want to give any president the, the credit for maintaining Israel's security or stability. That's very dangerous. Ooh. That, that's an interesting point you're making, but like one of the, the the questions around this deal with the UAE, for example, of course, that's come up is the sale of the F-35s mm-hmm. to to the, to the UAE, mm-hmm. and there's some controversy. There seems to be everybody's saying something slightly different about who's getting them, who's not getting them, who may and get amazingly them. Right it sense, these, uh, advanced, amazingly, it depends. Amazingly, it depends where you are politically, planes. what your opinion is towards the F-35. Yeah. Yes. Um, but what's interesting, of course, is people saying, oh, America would never do anything to damage Israel's um, superiority or Israel's military edge. So on the one hand, it's not just how they relate to Israel, but it could potentially be how they relate to other countries as well. Like if Donald Trump suddenly became buddy-buddy with Iran, that could affect Israel in a, in a, in a very real way. So, and that was one of the more troubling um, things about the Obama administration was their attempt to become buddy-buddy with Iran. And, I mean, you know, yeah. I don't understand this whole F-35 thing, quite honestly, because, I mean, with Israel's peace agreement with Egypt, there was, I mean, you've got tons of military stuff, no? We talked about this last time, but yeah, but, yeah. but the, 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 the idea is that Israel, whatever deal they make and whatever weapons the United States sells to an Arab country, yeah. it has to be a generation below Israel's. Israel has to have the cutting edge. And F-35 is cutting edge, and you're giving it to another country i mean they, uh, it's not america has not consistently followed that policy uh under republican right. or uh, it, it's 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 sort of an imaginary unspoken rule of american arms sale you know they've sold cutting edge things to saudi arabia for years and things that it, you know pro israel people were freaking out about uh, I, I, my, my, my point is that it, that it really is messy. And rather than trying to unpack all of it, I think it's important to say that we should all chill out, have interesting political conversations with people and tease it out without dropping these huge judgments on, well, you should vote. You know, if, you're, if, you're, if you love Israel. Israel, you should vote this way or that way. Or if you love America, you should vote this way or that way. Have an interesting conversation. Be open to the other person's opinion. 
even if it seems kind of bonkers to you, be respectful and you'll learn something and you won't necessarily agree. But I, I, I really don't like conversations that start with, I don't understand how somebody could do that. Well, you should. You should try. It's a democracy. You should try to understand what the other voter is thinking. You should. I, 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 I really agree with you because also I, I was having this conversation with a friend here recently in terms of he's been attending the rallies against uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu, which have been happening on the month of Shabbat every week in, in Israel. The pro-democratic yeah, so, norms, yeah. Right. And, and I said to him, listen, I understand why you're protesting. I understand all of this. But on the other hand, we live in a democracy and we have to accept that there are other elements who may not agree with you. And there are people who, there are other parties who are actually the majority and have more voters who make decisions that we may not like. But we can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, you have to... Correct, but those... Except the rules of the democracy. And having people out on the street protesting means that this is an issue that people are passionate about that everyone should be taking into account. In other words, that it works, it always has to work in all directions. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Which is unfortunate. Even if I don't like something, even if I don't like some of the policies of the government, the fact, and they may be against things I voted for, or things I disagree with, that, that's the law of the land. Yeah, like, it's super frustrating that. cliche. Elections have consequences, and that's what it is. And so when people say to me, <laughs> are you scared of, no, I'm not scared. Are you, what'll happen if, every, it'll be fine. If the Democrats win, what will that mean for Israel? I don't know. There have been democratic well, presidents before. Israel's fine. Like, what do you think? What are you scared of? Well, I mean, more than fine. I mean, every yeah. democratic, uh, even, even as much as you can criticize President Obama's Iran policy, I mean, you know, it was still very, very strong uh, aid and cooperation. I mean, we're still is one of the American aid went from three to three point eight billion. Yeah, super close so, ally. The Pentagon yeah. and and you know and Israeli military cooperated. So American intelligence, me, Israeli intelligence. It, the interests are too. That's the core. That's the yeah. core, really, of what. It, not not just about the conversations. Okay, I, I, obviously I, I agree with you, but that it, your job, if you if you love Israel, and Israel is an important part of your life, and you want uh, it, it to a strong relationship with uh, America. So your job is to make sure that it happens no matter who's in the office. Exactly. No matter what congressman or what president or that, that Israel is, you know, and that's, that's your, that's the power that someone has in a democracy as a citizen, as a voter, and as a, right, as, um, as being represented, is that you have the power to let your vote, uh, elected officials know, even if, you, even if you didn't vote for that one, even if yeah. you voted for the Republican and the Democrat is in, you are right. still their constituency. Right. You are still, right? So you have the, the ability to make your, your desires known and to make that strength. So that, that and and the, if a person said to me, look, I don't like, you know, I don't like, I, I'm concerned about a Biden administration's, you know, with Susan Rice and if Ben Rhodes comes back in. I don't like their policies towards Iran. I think it's too friendly. I think they don't understand how to make Palestinian policy. They don't understand who they're dealing with or how to deal with them. So I don't want to vote for them, I would say. Okay, that makes sense. And if somebody said to me, uh, I like the Biden administration's approach. First of all, I do think Israel needs more pressure. I don't think, you know, you know, Kamala Harris says aid won't be dependent on it, but I do think Israel needs pressure to change its policies. So I would vote, or Israel's not my most central thing, and I, you know, I have more domestic concerns. Okay, I mean that's fine. Like I, 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 I 
we live we live uh, we're living in crazy times where we have unprecedented political behavior in the middle of a global pandemic with all kinds of economic strife and people i understand the the hair on fire syndrome but it's just not good to be in panic mode and have really reasonable conversations it doesn't help the Gewalt campaign, as it's called in Israel. The Gewalt campaign, which and and you know, and politicians are feeding it because they see it works. It works. They're hit. It works. It, it, we we respond viscerally to things that affect you know the brainstem of our you know our lizard brains of fear and anger and you know and those passions make for solid electoral blocks. Right. But what I always try to advocate to our students is. Don't play. Don't play the 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 outrage game. Don't play. Stay reasonable. Stay calm, and carry on. Is that crazy? Yep. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm staying crazy. Doesn't sound crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone chill. <laughs> no, but and, and be passionate. And if you think such and such candidate is a real problem because of it. So then don't vote for that candidate and, and try to convince people not to vote for that candidate. But don't do it by... Look, I, I, ultimately, it creates a feedback loop. Now, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, as a person who believe, you know, I'm well on record on this podcast that I'm an institutionalist and I believe in, in maintaining the norms. And when and when Trump shatters norms, you know, he doesn't respond to a congressional subpoena because he says he doesn't think it's a... Well, I mean, the, if I understand the separation of powers correctly, he doesn't have the right to say if he if he, if he should or shouldn't respond to a congressional subpoena. So when that bothers me, I, I thought back to people during the Obama administration or the Bush administration talking about, you know, the Constitution being ignored. And it, it becomes a little bit of, of crying wolf and you create this cycle of, so then even if it isn't really exactly happening now, if you if you raise all your sh- your complaints to 11... Then when there's a real problem, it just sounds like just the same old background complaining about things. Mm. Uh, I'm assuming that this era of hair on fire politics will calm down. These things are cyclical. Uh, I assume that America's superpower status will continue to decline and it will become less of a of a burning passion as America becomes more of a regional power than the global cop. Yeah, I mean, that's nice to think about. I mean, it's true that things are slick, cyclical. I agree with that. But the introduction of the new media is something that... Um, Correct. We, it, it has an unpredictable potential uh, effects that we, you know... Just the fact that when we were kids, Alan, if you wanted to know what was going on, everybody listened to Walter Cronkite. You know what I mean? Like the news, there was a new, there were newscasters that everybody got. Now we don't even get our information from the same. We're so, we're so siloed into what we think reality is. So the problems are real. I I didn't, I don't mean to diminish the challenges ahead to have, to a return to uh, reasonable discourse. I I, I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not diminishing that, that we're in a new era, but, but I'm, but I'm hopeful that, but people just get tired of it. As a culture, we just get sick of everything. Yeah, but I think but that has its effect on that, like, you know, the loudest continue on, which we know always happens, right? Those who are most vigorous set the tone, 
and the rest people focus on their personal individual lives and don't really you know and let that and let that carry its way you know what I've said this complicated and busy and people want to get on with their lives exactly and I just don't want to have to pay attention to this all the time you know I've said this on the podcast many times that that uh, when I was a younger man I used to say I wish Israeli politics would be calmer and more reasonable reasonable and civil like they are here in America and now I I feel the reverse I, I, I hope that American politics and American Jews talking about politics can be more calm and civil as dysfunctional as the political actors are here in Israel, we're just not yelling at each other as much. Even you think I'm, you think I'm. Yeah, I know your, your face is. I I don't know. I mean, if you pro- probably if you go onto like Hebrew into the social media sites, you may find differently. I don't know. That's true. I, I do follow some Hebrew on my social media, but not so much. Mostly it's yeah. English. Yeah, I I would actually say it slightly differently, Mike. I would say it's not that we're not yelling at each other anymore. In Israel, we're, not we're just not speaking to. We're not speaking to each other. Yeah. I don't know. Like you say, I, I, I re, I, when you go into how many conversations people I've been part of or know that people say, I'm not even going to talk to them anymore. It's just not worth it. Which is different from yelling at each other. I'm just not going to bother engaging each other. Which is a completely different. I'm sure. I, I'm sure there are examples of. But we're doing that thing where we emphasize one aspect, but you know, and we're both telling truth facets but like you said earlier you know you get into a cab the cab driver asks you who you vote for nine out of ten cab drivers vote for bb and if you didn't so they argue with you a little and then you pay your fare and get out of the cab like it i don't know it charges you more if you didn't yeah (laughs) no we're probably doing that thing where we're emphasizing what we choose to emphasize and both things are true and i i prefer to have I, i i prefer it i guess i'll always choose the more optimistic brighter side of the narrative when looking at these things yeah okay all right fellows well thank you i hope this is helpful to people who have been asking us to talk about this this is as deep as we want to get in we don't really want to get deeply into american politics and hopefully this is sort of a, a an explanation of why but we do think you you should have strong opinions and be passionate and feel free to contact us and argue with us if you like uh, as long as it's civil and respectful alright well thank you Matt thank you guys thank you Alan thank you Mike and thank you listeners bye bye bye